usually takes a couple minutes for it to kick in. So no worries on that. All right, we are live. Hello and welcome, Just a Family. This is giving you something to talk about, or just a live TV, as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I am an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator, and founder of the Winnipeg, the, sorry, Winnipeg, <laughs> Women Supporting Women Can Network, as well as Just a Live TV. So that is what we are, what I'm doing. Uh, today's episode is Addicted to Thriving. Um, our sponsor of today's episode. Sorry, I can't speak today. Today's episode is sponsored by Holistics Personal Training. They're offering you 25% off their signature program, which enables you to have mental, physical health and balance. And they have live and in-person appointments. So if you are in the Winnipeg, Manitoba area, check out them in person. Otherwise, you can join them live. Link in the description. Go and take a look at that. And who owns Holistics Personal Training? None other than my co-host today, which is Mick Clarity. Mick, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Mick and I am the founder of Holistics Personal Training. I am a certified addictions counselor and registered personal trainer. So I have steered more away from doing the one-on-one drug counseling, more into just general mental health work. And it includes like meditation, mindfulness, activities like that. I'm very into self-care and promoting, taking care of yourself, filling up your own cup before you help others, that sort of thing. Putting yourself first is not selfish. It is filling your own cup up. So you are, you have enough to help others. So personally, I am a mom, a cat mom, and just looking to help. What else can I say? Yeah. So when I was younger, I competed gymnastics a lot. So I've always been really active in the fitness life. And I figured what better way to help mental health and physical health than together. So I have the schooling, the experience and the motivation and just have fun with it. So that's a little bit about me for now. Absolutely. I love that. And you and I both are local. So we're actually in the same town. We're in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, which if anybody wondering, it is old classic charm. Winnipeg is underrated. Mm-hmm. Old classic charm, which is great. I love old classic charm. Um, so first off, I wanted to ask you, so what is your, so you went into, you know, addictions counseling, right? Why did you go into that? Past addiction, loving people with addiction, going through both sides. You know, I was hard into addiction. We'll get more into why and how, but um, definitely quite, I'd say just under a decade of any sort of substance and alcohol from lack of self-love. And I've also been in relationships with people who have been in addictions. It's not fun on either side. So I figured now that I'm clean and sober, I have the power, the experience and the motivation to help others. So I went through a local program for addictions and community service worker I ended up being an addictions counselor at Elizabeth Fry, which was very interesting. Very, I loved it because they worked, women all worked there and we work with just women. So just like you, women empowering women, it was very, it was very good. And it was very interesting job. I learned a lot there, met some amazing people. And uh, so that's how I got into that part. Very nice. Um, my best friend of 34 years now is, um, 
works with uh, the Addiction Foundation of Manitoba. So nice. um, yeah, and she's a nurse. So it's she she loves mental health, loves, you know, helping people as much as possible. And I think you and I both have that in common too, where I've been addicted. I am still addicted. I think all of us still have the addiction within, within us and that never goes away. Um, you put me in front of the things that I'm addicted to and I'm going to have to have an internal dialogue as to why I shouldn't touch what it is. Um, and I think we all go through that, right? That's just testing ourselves and, and testing the limits. I haven't had it in front of me in <laughs> many, many years. Um, but at the same time, I was addicted. And it's not an easy thing to um, move out of, but it is possible. And that's what we want to talk about today is you and I both went from addicted to thriving. Yeah. <laughs> and so the title of the show, and by the way, for anybody watching, please go like, follow and share the show. Um, you can find us on all social media platforms. You can subscribe to our newsletter. Um, go help us bring up our likes in on TikTok and LinkedIn so we can go live there too. Um, anyway, so one of the things that I wanted to mention really about just this episode is that it's a two-way title, right? Because mm -hmm. you can be addicted to thriving, but there's also be going from addicted to thriving. And so both of those, right, is I'm addicted to thriving and I went from addicted to thriving. And it is such an interesting process and an interesting pattern to go that route because well who doesn't want to go that route right who doesn't want to better themselves and I know from experience and and from a lot of my clients is when you're in the midst of addiction uh, a lot of people and I'm, I'm going to talk about addiction because we are talking about that today and, and you can help me out with this because you also you know have your addiction training is addiction is the need to either replace, remove, or control an emotion. That's yeah. what addiction is, right? And there are some people who are forced into addiction, some people who, but it all comes down to the same thing, is it becomes a habit and a need to either replace, remove, or control an emotion that we can't cope with. And how many people don't know that? So from your experience, how many people do you think don't understand that that's the true cause of addiction? Probably quite a bit, definitely over that 50% mark. You know, it starts a lot of the time with just partying and then you get offered something and then you're just spiraling down from there. Or, you know, it is a band-aid in a lot of sense too, because you, you have to get to the deeper root of why you're using this substance or why you're drinking every day, every night, leading to the next day or adding some more uh, substances to that. And you got to dig deep. It's, it's a lot of the inner work for the addiction itself. Um, I like the word band-aid. That's how I'm going to refer to it as of right now is it's not the, it's not the drug itself. It's not the booze itself. It's why you're doing that. Why are you numbing? Why are you numbing? Why are you self-medicating? Why are you putting these toxic substances into your body to numb something, you know, a trauma, something that's happened, uh, something you want to forget about, something you're nervous for, so anything like that. There's so many different leading causes onto why people use in the first place. Yep. And I think the main one is a lack of coping skills. Oh yeah. There, how, like, 
if we, if we say that addiction is caused by a need to remove, replace, or control an emotion, right? And that band-aid effect, because I actually really like that. That's addiction is a band-aid effect. And um, we have a viewer who's watched another addiction. Um, we, when we did addiction to views, so hello again, they're saying hello. Um, today, but we're, we're talking about addicted to thriving. And it is right, because addiction is a band-aid effect. It is. It's because we become addicted to whatever it is that that is creating for us. Again, whether it's the need to replace, remove, or control. And when you're in the midst of that, it's hard to, um, it, it is, it comes down to coping skills. I know that um, self-harm, I, I've had somebody very close to me who is cutting. And, uh, you know, I did that in, in our very first video. I talked to my own son who used to cut and a lot of it was to remove an emotion they would he would focus on the pain rather mm -hmm. than the emotion that he couldn't cope with or he couldn't process and that's that's where addiction stems from is the inability to process cope or you know I, I, I want to say deal with because that's a common word but I don't like that right it is processing it's it's coping and processing and removing the emotion that's what, that's where addiction stems from. So, um, cocaine, which was my, one of my drugs of choice, cocaine was confidence, right? It was yeah. you cocaine and you're like, bing, hi, I'm here. I can take on the world. Right. And ecstasy, which was another one of mine was, you know, just the calm, the calm, the relaxation, the, you know, the love of everything. I've done many different drugs, um, many I haven't done, and all of them had the same effect. It was, you know, it, it's something that it was providing to me that I wasn't, I didn't have at that point. Yeah, it's to feel, feel something, feel something a little bit better than what you're dealing with. There's situation or trauma or even like teenage turmoil, you know, a lot of, you know, you hit puberty, a lot of people are starting to do drugs. I know a lot of good teenagers and I also know I don't want to say good and bad. It's just people who get sucked into something and they go down that road. If they're going through something or you feel like you're against the world or the whole world's against you, you just wanted to feel something a little bit better than before. And then you just keeps going from there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'm, I'm in the process of creating a program for teens to learn identity because teens are have it. Everybody's like, Oh, you know, and I'm a parent, you're a parent, right? When you're a parent, you, you, we tend to say to our kids, and I've caught myself saying this to my own children, is you're a kid, you have it easy, you have it easy. And then I watched my oldest and then now I'm watching my 12 year old and I'm, I'm watching all my children. And it's like, it's horrendous being a kid. It is like, I mean, I, you know, on the one hand, it's great. On the other hand, it's like, really? <laughs> you you're right it's hormones it's life changes you think when you hit that pre-teen teen stage you're switching schools you're going into junior high um your friends change the situations change drugs alcohol sex all of that is brought into the awareness you know if you're a child that that grew up in a very open household you're like no i don't want to do drugs like what's the point but then your friends are doing drugs and then you're questioning right what if I lose my friend? What if, you know, then all the peer pressure comes in and the pressures of, 
you know, do I stand in who I am? Do I even know who I am? And then it's just the spiral effect. And that happens, you know, kids that have absolutely no control over their lives, right? Either become reclusives, recluses, or they become, you know, the life of the party because they've had no freedom. My own son did that. We lived in a very remote community in Alberta and he turned around and wanted freedom. And I was in a position in my life where I felt like a trapped butterfly. Like I I literally felt like a trapped butterfly, beautiful location, but I was trapped and I didn't want to do anything. I got into a funk and I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to take him out. I didn't want to do things. And he felt trapped and then it spiraled. Right. Yeah. I like how you use the word trapped butterfly. I mean, my mom have this thing because of my addiction butterflies you know they always they never fly too far from home (laughs) um that's kind of how mine started too is you know like I was in gymnastics and very competitive very very strict scheduling very pushed very good but very pushed and you know um so I felt like I didn't have much time so when everything started happening in my life different events um you know traumas and stuff and I I met a couple of people (coughs) and they just showed me that way And back then, and for a long time, I blamed them for ruining my life, per se. But looking back, like, it was all my choices, you know? Like, I made these choices, and it just, yeah, it's so easy just to go down that downward spiral because you just go a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more, and then you realize, oh, oh, we're hitting rock bottom. Here we are again, right? So. But you become dependent, right? And going back to the emotion, you become dependent on not having to feel that emotion. And for an addict, it's harder to get out of the addiction because you're terrified of facing those emotions, of facing the things that you're trying to avoid, right? And that's exactly what it is. Uh, Yeah, you have a question, please ask. Um, Absolutely, anybody watching, anybody catching the replay, even if we're not live anymore, please ask questions. Um, If you wanna connect with either myself or Mick, you can do so, link in the description. Um, you can connect to both of us if you want. Um, I know that in Winnipeg, where you and I both are, we have teen challenge, right? And teen talk. And I grew up knowing about those, right? The suicide prevention, the, you know, addictions. There are a lot of things in the area or in your area that should be available, even if it's not in person, even if it's online, to connect with people to help get you out of the addiction, because that's what we really want to know, Um, how not to get distracted. So he wants to know how not to get distracted. Um, Distracted in what way per se? He's, there's so much distraction all the way, all around. So are you asking in reference to what we're talking about or something different? I'm just, um, I'm just wondering if we're segueing into something else. So to continue while we're waiting, um, so how did you, and and we'll get to the stories now, how, how, because we want to do addicted to thriving, right? Whether that is going from addiction to thriving or becoming addiction, uh, sorry, addicted to thriving. So what, what is your favorite thing to tell people about that? What's, what's your number one non-negotiable? The number one thing that it came down to for me personally is self-love. And it goes back to the, you know, you you mentioned something about confidence, like the cocaine, the drinking and stuff like that. It's a huge confidence booster when you first do it. 
that first line or that first drink, you're like, whoa, I'm life of the party. You know, you're playing beer pong or chugging away and you just feel like everybody's looking at you like this amazing, glorious person. But then, you you know, you're three, four, 12, 20 drinks in and then you're just sloppy and you make bad decisions and you get hurt and all these things. And I've been there and it was for the confidence. I grew up, you know, when I stopped doing gymnastics, I gained weight and I got braces and I wasn't looking how I wanted to. I was very hard on myself. So when I started drinking and started doing these other things, it gave me a huge like boost of confidence. So I was chasing that and chasing that. And I realized looking back, like what a 10 years, um, you know, 10, 15 years, um, I started pretty young, but, uh, it was a lack of self-love, the lack of not knowing who my true authentic self was. You know, I, I realize now I'm the gymnastics as a kid. I keep going back to that because it's a key part of who I was and who I am. Now I'm a fitness leader, a personal trainer, because I've always been into that sort of thing and outdoors. So actually there's a really good, I teach in my program, there's a really good part. Um, it's about finding your true authentic self. And when I did that to myself, the top three things that I realized was family, outdoors and active being active and those three things are a key part to who I am and if I feed those three things I realize I feel the most connected to myself going out all three of them going outside for a walk with my family all three and then I feel back to myself so self-love is the main biggest part that I learned on how to take care of myself and those around me self-love self-care all these different inner workings all fall underneath that yeah it's self-love identity is huge right yeah if we don't know who we are what we want what's going to make us feel good or not feel good or confident or not confident and gymnastics is a huge one gymnastics requires perfection right and uh not that it requires perfection. It does, right? Perfection is a myth, but at the same time, it does require perfection because if you don't do it right, you get hurt. If you don't do it right, you don't get the, you don't get the medals and the trophies and, you know, <clears throat> you get in trouble if you don't do it right. And, but it, it's also safety, right? Yeah. And so you get a lot of perfection from gymnastics, a lot of perfection from dance, from any sports or any extracurricular activities you get prided on perfection it's required right and that that damages a lot of people's confidence because if you're not perfect if you're not you know uh in hockey even if you let the goal in if you're a goalie and you let the goal in you've in essence disappointed your entire team yeah right So, you know, if you let the guy close enough to the goalie, if you're a defense and you let somebody close enough to the goalie, right? You've in essence failed your team. It's this cycle of perfection. And a lot of that comes down to, am I good enough? Am I worthy? And then your confidence gets the hit. Your identity gets the hit. Your self-love gets the hit. Every time we get reprimanded or every time we say that's not good enough, our identity gets takes that hit and it's quite the process for people to actually go into addiction because it's like you know if you get hurt let's talk about what's it called um athletes who get hurt and can't be in their profession right then it's like who am i <laughs> who am i now yeah and you, you know you build an entire life off of this one thing 
And then who am I now? Yeah, and there's a lot of pushing too. Like with the gymnastics, I can personally speak. I was always pushed to the next thing, you know, pushing, do the splits. Once I could do the splits, they started putting mats under my legs, making me do over splits. Like your body is not supposed to be doing that at like 10, 12, 13 years old. It's just, I think that had a lot to do with it too, is the rebelling because I was constantly pushed in these gymnastics to do perfect, do better. And then I perfect that doing even better. And then, okay, do even better. But well, so there was a bit of rebelling too. And then you add on weight. Yeah. You add on weight and you add on, you know, features. I, I had my daughters in dance. Sorry, I was looking for something. I have my daughters. I had my daughters in dance at one point. I had them in soccer and for dance I remember the outfits the makeup and it was just like why like why right and I'm not against it I'm not wholly against it absolutely not but at the same time I, I kept thinking to myself why like why do they have to get so dressed up why do they have to you know why does it have to be the the shortest shorts and you know halter tops and you know, gymnastics, I understand gymnastics and, you know, like, and, and dance, I understand that there's movement involved and you need to be, be able to move. But at the same time, there's a lot of expectation to, again, look perfect and the perfect weight and the perfect stance and everything. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there going, really? Just really? Okay. So what is your process? So you, you said self-love and I absolutely like that because we definitely need self-love. I would say identity, right? Knowing who Mm -hmm. you are. Um, you mentioned one other thing that I wanted to touch on and that is, you know, the confidence we get and we're at the party and everybody's watching us and we're having fun and we're the life of the party. We become the joke of the party. Mm -hmm. Very totally. Very right? soon. Yeah. And, and that's something to ask yourself. Do you want to be the the joke of the party? Like I, I'm not shaming anyone. If you are in active addiction, if you are in, you know, active, well, again, just active addiction. If you're in that stance, there's nothing wrong with that. You are not wrong. You are not bad. You are not anything less than you should be. I just ask yourself is this who you want to be? And if it's not, then you think about that, right? Yeah. And it's really cool that you put that connection to identity because at that stage of my life, that was my identity. I was the party girl. I remember thinking, you know, I always, I was a beer drinker. So I, you know, I always had a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. I don't do either anymore, which I'm very proud of. But I remember at one point, It was a New Year's party and I was so proud. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a smoke in one hand and a beer in the other. And that's who I was at that point. That's who, you know, that stage of my life, that's who Mick was. That's what I was proud of because I didn't know anything more than that of who I was. So that self-discovery, that identity and self-love, it all ties into one, you know, little choices, little questions like asking yourself is exactly what you said. Is this who you want to be? Is this who I want to be tomorrow? Is this who I want to be in five, 10, 15 years? And if the answer is no, then you got to start making small choices every day to become who you want to be in those five, 10, 15 years. And it's to, for me, it's the small choices and 
you know, if you're going to try and change overnight, you're going to fail. And I'm just saying that now out of experience, you can't just wake up and be completely sober, you know, owning the house you want and the car you want and just, it does not happen overnight. And I am nowhere where I want to be, but I am so far from who I used to be that I'm exactly where I'm meant to be now and to get here. Yeah. Small steps, one small step, maybe even a month, one small step a month, whether that's getting up and making your bed, getting up and going for a walk, you know, all these small choices to get you to who you want to be is the choices that you need to make on the daily. I had that discussion with my daughter. My daughter's 12 going on 13 and she's going through her own stuff right now, right? That, that age. And she said to me, she says, mom, there's a lot of stuff I want to change, but I don't know where to start and I don't know how to do it all. And what I mentioned to her, I'll mention to all of you. And if you take one thing away from this, please let it be this from me is that you don't have to focus on all of the things all of the time. Mm -hmm. One thing, one moment. That's all it takes. You're not going to try to change everything at the same time. You're not going to eat at at the same time. You're not going to eat, drink, sleep, work out. You're you're not going to do all of those things. You're not going to be eating a sandwich while you're working out, (laughs) while you're drinking and smoking. You're not doing all of that at the same time. It's you know, after you finish having a meal, right? It's, it's no, when you go to eat, right? Because we have routines during the day, when you go to eat, sitting there, and if you want to lose weight, right, because weight can be an addiction as well. You know, we could be addicted to food and sugars. If you want to lose weight, and you think, okay, right, you're going to eat, you're looking at your food, and you're like, one moment, what do I want? And in that one moment, you're not thinking about everything else. You're thinking, what am I eating right now? And you can make a choice. Doesn't matter what choice you make. Just the fact that you're not acknowledging at that moment, you're making a choice. Then after you eat, if you're a smoker, you say, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, this is the time that I would go for a smoke. Yeah. You know, that's 15 to half an hour, like 15 to 30 minutes later. And you're like, oh, you know, this is the time I go for a smoke. At that moment, you have a choice. It's not all of it at once. Eight o'clock rolls around. Oh, everybody's going to the bar. Am I going to the bar? It's one choice, one moment. That's all it is. But everybody gets so upset about, I need to work out. I need to eat healthy. I need to diet. I need to do this. I need to do that. And then it becomes overwhelming because it's not one thing at a time, but logistically it is one thing at a time. I love that. It's so simply, it's, that's such a simple way to look at it. And you know, it's, I find myself, if I do too much at once, I get overwhelmed very easily, which is probably for a lot of people having that one choice that you say really like puts the spotlight on that one moment. And that's a really mindful way of looking at it. My daughter's five and I'm teaching her about how to be mindful, be in the moment. I'm like, I I use the word present. Okay. So I'm teaching her past, present and future. She's like, oh, present. Like you have a present for me. (laughs) It's like, no, no, we're talking about like right now, what are we doing? And in that moment, we were getting ready to brush our teeth, but we were heading to my grandma's house. So I said, what are we doing in this moment? And she said, oh, we're going to granny's. I says, no, no, we're doing that in about five or 10 minutes. What are we doing at this moment in the present moment? 
She's like, oh, we're brushing your teeth. And just, ah, okay, right now, this moment that we're in right now, not in five minutes, not regretting or deciding something we did five minutes ago. It's like right now. And that's a really good way to look at it is that one choice right now is, yeah. Yep. Small steps. For our viewer on YouTube, um, if you're still watching, talking about distractions, is it is that one moment. If your focus, and that's grounding. So for anybody who is spiritual, not spiritual, that is called grounding. Um, Anybody can do it, no matter who you are, where you're at. People will tell you that grounding is rooting yourself to the ground. That is a possibility. But for me, grounding yourself is bringing yourself into the moment. It's the here and now, right now. It is putting all of your focus on what you are doing right now. It's not thinking about your past. It's not thinking about your future. It's not thinking about all the 50 million things you need to do today. It's what am I doing right now, right? Right now, I'm looking at Mick. (laughs) I'm talking (laughs) and I'm trying to get a point across. That is right now. I'm not thinking about my 3.30 appointment. I'm not thinking about all the other things I have to do today, all the stuff, because trust me, if I start thinking about everything I need to do right now, I'm going to do nothing. Yeah. Get overwhelmed. That overwhelming. That's, that's the key, right? When you said that, you know, when I start to think about all the things I need to do, I, I get overwhelmed. You do. And then you don't do anything. Just shut down completely. Yeah, right. So I was telling somebody this story earlier today is that I've been in business for six years. And in that time, I haven't gotten my businesses to where I wanted them to be. Right. And it was focus on one thing, focus on this, focus on that. And that's great. No, no issues there for anybody that works for, but that doesn't work for me. What works for me in business and everything is different. What works for me in business is I like to be busy. When I'm busy, I get more done, literally more done in my day when I'm busy and I don't have time. That's when I have the motivation to do stuff. If I don't have any appointments all day, but I have a ton of computer work to do, I'm going to probably binge watch the newest episodes (laughs) of my favorite show or read a whole book series in a day. I'm going to make that choice because I don't know what to do at that point, right? Having the show change that for me. I have, you know, nine to five, I have a schedule. I am booked nine to five. In that nine to five, if I have any available time, I'll do what I need to do, need to do that day to get it done, right? So everybody, again, it comes back to identity. It comes back to how you work, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. So getting out of addiction and moving yourself into thriving, there's a process there. Number one is saying, do I like who I am? And I'm going to give you a little bit of a secret. Addiction is not who you are. Being an addict, not who you are. Being a mother, not who you are. Being a son or a sister or a brother or a husband or a wife, that is not who you are. That is a role. Mm -hmm. There is a difference, and, and I'm speaking as an identity expert. Trust me, there is a difference. I am a wife, a mother, a sister, a daughter, an aunt, all of it. None of those are me. They are roles that I subscribe to. I love them. I absolutely love them, but they are roles that I subscribe to. 
who I truly am comes down to my thoughts, my beliefs, my likes, my dislikes, my ability, my confidence, my passions, my self-love, my love of others, the way I treat others. That's me. It's not what I do. That's not my identity. And asking yourself, do I like who I am? If you're not liking your life, then you probably don't know who you are. Right? Mm -hmm. If you're an addiction, you probably don't know who you are. And being an addict and being an active, I guess we're all technically adults, addicts of something, but being an active addiction is you expressing yourself in the in a, the wrong way for you. It's an expression, right? Me being a mother is an expression. Me being a wife is an expression. I'm expressing who I am in those, but they're roles, right? I can, if, if I'm, you know, a doctor, that's a role, but I'm expressing my passion in that role right? Addiction becomes the same thing. You're expressing yourself through that role. Yeah. Identity is a huge part. And I haven't really put it together until like right about now, the identity part, it's huge. Like thinking back in high school, you know, when you join high school and you have the mandatory classes, but then you have like a class or two that you're taking as like a fun kind of activity. I think there was theater, things like that. You know, I did not know like, I remember it being so hard. Like, I don't know what to take. I don't know what I like. And it was such a roadblock. It was so confusing. You know, all these people around me, you know, you fit there, you know, you fit there. And I'm just like, where do I go? Like, I don't know which way to go. So I trialed and errored and I just failed at them all because I didn't put myself into it. I didn't put the effort into it. And that was a huge section of my life was just figuring out but once I got sober from the booze, like I completely got rid of that. I realized that, wow, I have all this time. I got to fill this time. And you were mentioning about how in business things roll better. That's not the words you used, but things roll better you, when you feel, fill up your schedule and you're busy. And I find that myself, I work that way too. Um, like I have a little day planner. I love handwriting and stuff compared to in my phone. And when I have that, I'm two weeks ahead. I like the two weeks ahead of me being booked every day for different things. You know, there's the priority. Then there's the, okay, if I get that done, then I can do this. And I do, I book fun in there too, because I have a little one who's not in kindergarten yet. So I, I book the fun in there as well. And I also, another thing is that boredom is the enemy. I remember when I was younger, like through all this turmoil, I'd say the worst discovery age for me was, 13 to 16 those three years were just rough confusing insecure like all these negative emotions and I remember always going to my family being like I'm bored I'm bored I'm bored like it was their problem to fix and I wouldn't know what to do with myself I was so bored and that oh I'd meet up with somebody at Polo Park uh, if you're local you'll know that um you're just meeting up with these people and just you know not knowing what to do with myself or what to do when I got home that night. So one of the things that are really important as well, when you're trying to get clean or work on yourself is to remember that boredom is the enemy. When you're bored, you're wondering which way to go. And then your brain will automatically go back to those addictive behaviors or those negative choices. 
if you keep yourself busy and I'm not saying like overwhelmingly busy, but like block out your days, block out your weeks, just fill yourself up with good things, whether that's, you know, going to the park with your kid, working on your business, you know, if, if you have the option to do overtime, you know, if you enjoy your coworkers, go out for some food with them or just find healthy things to replace those habits with and don't get bored. Boredom is the enemy. And I'm, I know that looking back on myself from those days, I was bored. I didn't know what to do. And that would lead to bad decisions. So getting that momentum in the, in the good way, that upward spiral, or, you know, if you want to think about it as you, you put a snowball on the top of a hill and it's going to start rolling and it's going to collect that snow too. Right. So it's either going to be positive or negative and you choose. And if you could choose to be a little bit better feeling than your current feeling, you're going to go with that upward spiral. And that's where I'm at now. I don't find myself like there as many years. I find myself in that downward spiral, really dark places, places I would never even think of going now mentally, physically, but I've been there. I've done that. I've hit rock bottom more than once, a handful of times. And finding myself being able to pull myself out and go up that upward spiral is the most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced. And I'm, there's no looking back, you know? I'd love to touch on boredom. Yeah. When you're feeling bored, um, to anybody watching or catching the replay, when you're feeling bored, Take that time and choose to do something you enjoy, like you said, but that's reflection time too, right? That's a good time to sit down and go, okay, well, you know, is there anything I've been interested in doing lately? Is there something about myself that's not feeling the greatest or not feeling, feeling aligned, um, is there something I want to create? Is there something that I want to do? And just take that time to really reflect on, on you, on your life, on, you know, how you're feeling in that. I take every moment that I have free to do whatever I want. I, like I said, I will watch my shows. I'll read a book. Should I'll scroll TikTok? Whatever. <laughs> join us on TikTok. FYI, join us on TikTok. We need a thousand followers. So go join us on TikTok raise this up just a live TV. Um, I'm almost always promoting that. Um, I'll sit in front of my desk and look out my window as I'm doing right now and watch the bunny that's hopping through my yard. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, there's always something that you can do that isn't going to send you down that spiral, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's watching this show, shameless plug, Whenever, you know, you could binge watch this show. You can, you know, go follow people who are into self-help, who talk about yeah. addiction, who, you know, do some research, go out in your local community. And, you know, if you're starting to feel bored, if you're an addict and if you're an active addiction or if you're past the addiction and, and you're getting sober and you're trying to change your life, go to meetings, not necessarily just to talk about yourself, but go and help out volunteer go volunteer some somewhere you know what I mean mm -hmm. do things that are going to make you feel good that's what you, that's what we need to focus more on is and that's practicing self-love too right For sure. now don't get don't get um uh sucked into the people pleasing world because that's not going to help you either but understand that 
once you've become addicted to something, I think we all mildly have addictive personalities. I think we all do. And it's easy to get sucked into a new addiction when you're trying to overcome another. And I, I just don't want people to flip from one to the other. You can be addicted to thriving and have it be doing it healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what Mick does, right. Is mental, physical health and wellness and, you know, creating a life for yourself that you really want post addiction. Yeah. It's the baby steps too. Um, I really, feel strongly about that. And you hear that, like you've probably heard it your whole life, take baby steps, but those baby steps are the ones that are going to make impact. It's going to be sustainable. You know, there was one thing that I did that I wanted to share. This might not be for you, but I'm very crafty. Like you can see a little craft there, whatever. But when I was putting smoking, every time I wanted to have a smoke, I went to the dollar store, probably spent $200 on crafts, but that's what I know I needed. That's what how many packs of smokes these days? Not that many. many. So I spent money. No. And I spent that money on crafts. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my outlet into crafts. So every time I wanted to smoke, you know, I'm in an apartment and I don't have a balcony. So I have to bundle up in the winter, go down the hall and all that stuff. So it was a little bit of an effort to get there, but I, I invested myself into crafts. Okay. I'm having a Nick fit as they call it. I need this tobacco. Do I though? Do I need this nicotine? No go for a walk around my apartment, just around here, you know, get some movement, change of scenery. That's another one. It's change of scenery. And I did crafts. So I'm like looking at my wall here, I put like flowers and butterflies and I just decorated my apartment, made it homey, made it feel good. And then another little goal I did, you can also make little goals. So I have a lot of tattoos on my arms. I have quite a few tattoos um, and smokes are expensive. So if I made a certain amount of time without cigarettes, I would get a tattoo. And it was kind of like a permanent little reminder. Now I'm not saying go get a bunch of tattoos, but if that's your thing, you know, that was my thing was crafts and using that money for something that, you know, isn't going to harm my lungs. It's, it's well, yeah. Tattoos aren't butterflies, you know, like it, it does hurt, but I mean, that was my way of self-rewarding myself. Okay. I made a few hundred dollars. I'm going to put a nice piece of art on my body instead of having a cigarette. And I think not to overwhelm anybody, but there was a study and I could be wrong, but you make about 35, I think it's 35,000 choices a day. It could be, I'm more than sure it's 35. It could be 3,500, but I really think it is. I'll post about it later, but I really do think it's 35,000 choices a day, whether that's, you know, am I going to bus to work? Am I going to drive to work? Am I going to walk to work? what am I having for breakfast? All these different choices. But like you said, it's about being in the moment and making that choice right now. So for like a little mental comparison, you know, people say that devil and the angel on their shoulder, it's like good, bad, these choices. So if you're looking to, I like to say a little stronger than yesterday, a little better than yesterday, you know, becoming just that much better than you were yesterday, then you had a successful day and a successful choice. And just making that choice. Okay. Am I going to have, we're going to go to cigarettes just because I was talking about that. Am I going to have that cigarette? (laughs) See, I, I was a smoker for eight or nine years. And, you know, my doctor was like, you can't be smoking. You're going to make really bad. Just how my body is. I don't know what it was or why, but he was like, like really, really forcing me to make that choice. 
But again, you know, I was never a hard smoker. It was like I'd buy a pack and I'd share it with all my friends. I'd have probably, it was the after meal. It was the morning smoke and the after meal smokes. And those were the hardest to break. But uh, yeah, so it's just making that choice. Am I going to take this drink? Am I going to not have this drink? My friend texts me, like nobody, anybody I hang out with or know, nobody's asked me to go drinking in years. And I'm so proud of that because, you know, they, they still drink. They will like, let's say we have a bonfire or something and they choose to drink. I'm now a hundred percent confident that I can be around somebody who's drinking and not be tempted because it's just not who I am or what I do now. But if somebody were to text me randomly, someone might text me as a joke after this and be like, Hey, no, but if they say you want to go to the bar, that is a choice. And you could, and from that choice, there are like many sub choices, we'll call them. So say you say no, then that's it. Then you figure out what else you're going to do with your evening. You could put yourself in a position and say, okay, sure. I will try to go if that's for you and not drink. Or if you're not looking to get a completely sober and your way of harm reduction is instead of going out and having 10 drinks, you go out and have eight. And then the next day you go out and have six. It's not about completely cutting cold turkey. Um, that's what I did, to be honest. It, everyone varies differently, but it's about, you know, harm reduction is a really great option too for people who are very hard into addiction and they're drinking multiple or having multiple or spending thousands of dollars on cocaine a night and, you know, maybe spend hundreds of dollars the next day or the next week go down to, you know, like slowly bring yourself to where you want to be by that one choice that leads it to all these other choices. But in that moment, it's that one choice. Yep. And remember that even if you don't make the, cho the right choice for you, and I'm going to quotations that, right. Even if you don't make the right choice for you, know that whatever choice you make, feel empowered by it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm a smoker. I'm not ready to quit. I don't want to quit. I'm, I drink Pepsi nonstop. I don't, I don't even think I drink water at this point. And I just drink Pepsi, right? And, but that's a choice I make. And I know that it's not healthy for me. I know that it's not great, but I still do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not ready to take that leap. If you're not ready to quit, you have to be mentally ready. You have mm -hmm. to be ready to say no more. I quit smoking for a couple of years, many years ago. And I'm not even going to tell you how many years I've been smoking. Um, Cause you would be shocked. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, in that time I quit smoking for about two years and I quit cold Turkey. I would go out with all my friends. I would every break, I would go out and I would stand with all my smoking buddies and they'd be like, Oh, Melissa, do you want to smoke? And I'd be like, no. And just how empowered it felt to confidently say no was amazing. For me, it was the empowerment. It was the power of being able to say no. And for a lot of people, it is, it can be that simple, just feeling empowered. I can say no. And I'm okay with that. Um, so we got a couple of comments. So I'm a thousand percent addicted to finding awesome people to talk to. Absolutely. Which is why I started a talk show. I'm not even going to go there. Um, why I started a talk show. Uh, I can relate so much. I got my 16th tattoo last year. I have three and I have plans for about 10 more. So <laughs> right on. Um, this is my newest one that I got. That's cute. I got matching tattoos with my oldest child. Um, he has a black one on his, on the other side of his, on his neck. So um, we have matching Phoenix tattoos. 
Um, and then, yeah, going from alcoholic cold turkey in one week can be fatal. Never a good idea. Best to slow down over time. Yeah. Thank you. Very nice on the tattoos. Um, it is. You know what? It's like we were saying before. It is one step at a time. One baby step. One question. One answer. One choice per moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not all the time. Um, and if you're not ready, it's okay. And if you need to ask for help, again, that's okay. One of the main things we like to promote on giving you something to talk about or just live TV is the fact that you are, there's no shame, there's no judgment, there is no ridicule for being where you are. At Just Alive TV, that is exactly what we promote, is it is okay to be where you are, no judgment, you are capable and able of expressing yourself of knowing your identity even if you don't know who you are if you're not happy you know what I mean like you have the choices you have the right the responsibility to make your own choices and if you're not ready that's okay Mm -hmm. if you are ready absolutely reach out (laughs) absolutely reach out Mick as actually our sponsor today and I'm going to shamelessly promote her even though we're not done yet Um, because usually I do it at the end of the the video, but I'm going to shamelessly promote you on this one, is Mick is the founder and owner of Holistics Personal Training. And she has a signature program that helps with mental health and physical health because you are a personal trainer and you work with mental health and addiction. So huge thing. She's offering it for 25% off. Um, Go and take a look at that link in the description. And It's so important for all of us to feel supported, to feel acknowledged and accepted where we are. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're making that decision to come out of addiction and when you're making that decision to start a business, because we're talking about addicted to thriving, right? If you are coming out of addiction, if you are going into a business, those are stressful times, both of them. There are, you're going to go back and forth. You're going to go two steps forward, one step back. There, there is a process. And in that whole process, number one, first and foremost, give yourself grace. Give yourself permission to fail. And I always say failure. Well, Winston Churchill said failure is the stepping stones to success. I say they're the springboards. When you fail and you go down a little bit, whether that's your emotional, mental, physical well-being, you go down a little bit, but you springboard back and see, you would love that analogy because you were a gymnast, right? Yeah. You run, right? Like you're running and then all of a sudden you hit that springboard and it launches you over, right? Yeah. That's what failure is. That's what feeling down is. You have the choice, again, because it all comes down to choices. You have the choice to allow that negativity or that one step back, or even just where you're sitting now, you have the choice to allow that to springboard you forward and say, is enough is enough. I'm going to use this to make me better. 
Oh, we have a comment. Um, well, it is beyond lovely and refreshing to meet you, ladies. Always amazing to see folks that advocate mindfulness and consideration in the world we have today. Getting more rare as the years pass. So if nothing else, just thanks for doing this. Absolutely. And that is the point of this show. That is the point of, and I'm going to shamelessly promote this because Mick, Mick loves this idea too. I'm speaking for her, which I never do. So I apologize. Um, I've created and founded the Women Supporting Women Can Network. Um, I know that it is right now for women. So I apologize if any men feel left out. My apologies. You will get your own soon. Um, but I am creating the Women Supporting Women Network. And Just Alive and WSW Can are both focused on meeting people where they're at trying to teach the universe, society, humanity as a whole, that it is okay not to agree. It is okay not to be okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> like You don't have to be okay all the time. I know that, you know, as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure Mick can agree, we're getting slammed all the time we get slammed for the way we look for the way we act for the way we parent for the way we talk for the way we sit for the the way we dress it is insanity and men do feel the same way so please don't feel left out i know you said you're kidding but please don't feel like you're left out um but it is true we as a society male female non-binary i don't care we are so conditioned to attack rather than hug and that needs to change even if it's one episode at a time yeah be the change you want to see right yeah (laughs) it's so true um go ahead no i just wanted to make a comment about the comment about um if you're hard into drinking quitting cold turkey can cause some severe uh physical damage and it can and that's why I mentioned a little bit about the uh, harm reduction way so for me personally I had my last drink in uh, December it was December 2019 and it was just some homemade wine I had a celebration with my dad and a few family members at that time and that was my last drink and it was the March after I went out for a girls night and so I didn't drink for three months there but it was before that it was like hard into addiction. Um, so it's, I kind of slowly tapered off and I would drink to the point of like blacking out. It was not fun, but in, I had this epiphany in the March on the girls night that me and my friend were out. I, I was kid free that night and I was already planning the second vendor trip before I even went the first time. And I just completely lost all cool in my head. I was like, I had an anxiety attack. Like it was just like, wow why am I planning the second vendor trip before even with the first time? And that's when I realized I am not drinking from this point on. Um, but before that, like it was quite bad. So for me, it was kind of over time, but if somebody is actively drinking, let's say daily, let's say they have a case of beer for an example, I don't want to even put a name on it because somebody might be listening with that name. So say this person has a 12 pack of beer every single night and they've been that way for 10 years you're not just going to stop cold turkey. That is dangerous. And that could be dangerous as well as opiate users. That's there's, there's uh, different maintenance programs for opiate users, but for some other drugs, you know, slowly tapering yourself off or quitting, depending on what level you're at is 
it's okay. But again, you are completely correct. Whoever made that comment that it could be very dangerous or fatal quitting. Like there's, um, you can get the shakes, you know, the sweats and throwing up and just putting yourself into this detox phase. And there are detox programs, I'm sure worldwide or wherever people are located. Um, so if that is the problem, and if you are drinking consistently, I would suggest instead of the 12 pack have, you know, I don't, there's no such thing as an 11 pack, maybe make a 12 pack last to the next day and then go to down. And then within a couple of weeks, maybe in a month you go down to a six pack and you slowly taper yourself off. And it's a lot easier on your body too, because you're not going to have that shock or that anger or that, you know, any kind of negative physical effects as you would. So that's a very good comment. And I just wanted to touch base on that because it's very true. Um, so reply comments, 12, a pack, 12 pack a night for 10 years, isn't possible, but I get what you mean. Your liver would paralyze itself after four months. Yeah. So you, you said you're certified, right? What's, what's your certification again? So I was an addictions counselor at um, Elizabeth Fry. And before that, I took a college. It was addictions worker and community, addictions and community service worker, I believe. Okay. So it was a year program in and there's a bunch of mini classes in that class. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that for the people watching that it was a little bit um, more because uh, we touched on that at the beginning and we're almost an hour in. So, um, so my wife caught me in on bed with my girlfriend and now I'm in the hotel with another I bought online. I have been sober for a year now, but it's getting hard to resist the temptation to drink. Um, that's it's, it's understandable when you're not happy with yourself and that's, I, I'm not assuming, but that's does, that's what it sounds like. Um, the addiction is harder to fight when you're not confident in who you are, when you don't know who you are, when you don't like the way that your life is going, like we talked about in the beginning is, <clears throat> addiction stems from a need to either replace remove or control a feeling or an emotion um that's what addiction is so for somebody who's in active addiction or even considering addiction or you know testing the waters of drugs and alcohol even sex right you can be ad addicted to sex as well there is a level that you need to understand and that is that that addiction is stemming with you, within your emotional health. Um, your emotional health is what really creates the addiction. So mm -hmm. um, first things first is remember who you want to be. Um, do what you can. If you've been sober for a year, then do what you can. Think of all the things that you, you know, have accomplished or could accomplish within that time um, and what you can go on to accomplishing because we're talking about addicted to thriving. Again, addicted to thriving or going from addicted to thriving. And part of that is knowing your self-worth, knowing your confidence, knowing what you want to create. And if you don't know how to do that, you can connect with either myself or Mick. Um, Mick is the owner and founder of Holistics Personal Training, and they have a program on, you know, your physical and emotional well-being or mental health um, that she's offering at 25% off. And do you touch on, on addiction in that? In no. So I steered more away from like the drug counseling and alcohol counseling. I do yep. have the schooling. So like if somebody does need help, I'm willing to 
work something out, but in that program, no, it's more general mental health. So mindfulness, meditation, self-care, gratitude, things like that. And then of course the physical exercise as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to add on what you said is just be honest with yourself and exactly what you've said, accept yourself for exactly where you are. Life is not a race. You're not competing against each other. It, you, there's never a competition. You just, you are exactly where you are meant to be at this exact moment. You know, it. don't get caught up like I used to in the, oh, I'm not where I need to be. Even to this day, I catch myself doing that. Oh, I'm not where I need to be. And then I bring myself back. You know, I'm exactly where I need to be. I can work to get better. I can work to thrive more, <laughs> but you're exactly where you need to be at this moment and it will be okay. Okay. So I know we have people live watching and I want to try something because on Instagram, I just got a picture of what we look like on Instagram and you can't see either one of us. So we're going to try it a little bit differently. Um, Please let me know if that makes a difference. (laughs) Hopefully it does. Um, I know that it it depends on the streaming service and and where we are. We are doing it through Zoom, so it's a little bit different. Um, If that makes it any better, please let me know um, and send another screenshot, please. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, So Ghost Floof says, I'm at 30 a week. So yeah, I know more about it than I want to. Yeah. And you know what? Again, like you said, it's there's no shame in being where you're at. There's no shame in being who you are. There's no shame in, you know, needing help or wanting help. And there's definitely never any shame in asking for help if you don't know which way to go. Um, I'm an identity coach. And my main message for that is always 95% of our life or our reality is based on who we believe we are. We create 95% of our reality whether we're happy with it or not. <laughs> that's, that's what we create. The other 5% is created by, you know, circumstance. And we can't control other people's actions or reactions or thoughts or beliefs, but we can control ourselves. And so it starts, everything starts with identity, who you are, who you believe you are, how, whether you believe you're worthy, all of that. Um, give me a second. I'm just asking her to check now. Hopefully that works. But um, yeah, what what's uh, <clears throat> anything you want to finish adding? Because I know that you probably have to go right away. Yeah. Um, when I was spitting out those numbers, the 12 pack for 10 years, that was just off the top of my head. That wasn't anything statistically. Um, but I do want to mention when I was hardened to addiction, it wasn't any specific, anything specific. It was like anything to alter my current state of mind. Um, for the last few years, uh, the last, how do I put this? The last few years of my addiction, it was just beer and, you know, other substances. But when I was younger, it was like hard alcohol and it would be, you know, it wouldn't be, we would just go to the club and order a few shots. It would be getting a 60 or a 66, whatever they call it these days, those big jugs of booze. And we would literally play now I'm not promoting this. I'm not proud of this, but I am admitting um, how bad it was at one point. We would play a 15 minute game. And that means whoever we were standing in a circle with, we would finish that huge jug of booze within 15 minutes. Why we did that, who created that, I don't know. But it was just, 
and it would black out. It was embarrassing looking back because who knows what kind of face plants and locking into things. So it was really bad. And it was, you know, not anything I'm proud of, but I'm also not ashamed to share who I used to be and what I used to do because it is possible to pull yourself out like one choice, right? It's just, it's possible. It's, it's really pleasant. It's really nice knowing that the people who used to know me, especially my family who have stayed with me the whole time, you know, it's nice to be able to have them proud of me and be proud of myself and look back and say, Hey, this is where I was. And this is where I am today. And I, you know, it's, it's a really fulfilling feeling. And yeah, it's, Again, I don't do the drug and alcohol per se, but if somebody does want to talk, like my inbox is always open. I'm, I'm more than willing to talk and help and share my story to help others. That's my favorite line. Every time I do the pre-screening interviews, my inbox is always open. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, oh, I know I wasn't being aggressive towards the 10 years comment. I sound that way, though. Forgive me. Somewhat caustic African here. Um, either way, my hat off to Mick for not drinking anymore. It takes a very select few to quit drinking like that. You have my sincere admiration. Um, Thank you for that. I, I do. I, I, I wanted to agree that one of the things that I wanted to mention when you were talking about family is that when you've been in active addiction for so long, whatever that looks like, it is very easy to lose your family, your sense of identity, your friends, everything changes. You don't need as much as we want it. And trust me, we want it as much as you want their approval and you want it. That's that does not come easy when you've lost it for so long. That does not come easy. And remember that as you're getting out of that and as you're growing and as you're changing, there is that process, right? And there's the they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I think that knowing being able to love and accept you for where you are yourself, but not only that, being able to love and accept your family and friends for where they are, because mm -hmm. they need to do what's best for their mental health and stability. So do you. So if that turns into them not believing that you're getting sober or not commending you for, you know, what you're achieving, that's on them. That doesn't reflect on you. That's on them for doing what they need to do. Mm -hmm. So and, and I think people don't realize that is your family and your friends will struggle with you and against you because yeah. they get, and if, if you want to understand a little bit more of that, um, we did an episode in um, February, I believe on um, addiction from a partner's perspective. And mm -hmm. that gives a little bit more into the family perspective of active addiction and you know they get addicted to the addiction as well not you know not always you know if you're addicted to alcohol your family might not get addicted to the alcohol but they do become addicted and comfortable with you in active addiction yeah so oh. when you start to change it it's it's uncomfortable for them too took a lot to earn the trust back, you know, and I don't blame people for like, especially my family. It took a lot to get where I am today. Like I am a strong, heartfelt family member now, but it took a lot of work, a lot of apologies, a lot of like trust and proof. And another thing I wanted to say is if you are on the partner or the 
if you love somebody who is in an addiction, the hardest thing to accept, and I've been there on both sides, is you can't love somebody out of addiction. You can't make that choice for them. They have to make that choice for themselves. And I think that's one of the hardest things about loving somebody with addiction. And, you know, like when I was in my addiction, I knew that I was safe. My family, they were up worried, you know, my mom and Oh, I put them through some hard stuff and I apologize. And it took a lot of time, but it's so hard not making that choice for somebody else, especially if you love them so much, you can't pull them out. You can, you know, sit them down for an intervention. You can do this. You can hide them away from the world or try to, you know, you're grounded, but none of that will work until they make the choice and they make that effort to heal what's inside of them that led them to the addiction in the first place. And sometimes they just need to feel supported in whatever choice they're making. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't mean enabling. It Mm -hmm. means loving them where they're at and knowing that they're doing what they feel that their options are. And that's, that's one of the biggest struggles for families with addiction is trying to be there the way that they need you and your way. And that's another big thing your way of doing things or your processes or your expectation of how somebody else should come out of addiction isn't always the right way for them. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, back and forth, whether that's, you know, the family of an an addict or an addict with the family, it's, it's all that back and forth of each one of you is going to have a different perspective, a different belief, a different process or a different way of, of, you know, coping or processing what's going on. And again, that's what leads to addiction in the first place is that coping and processing skill of your emotional well-being and of your emotional health. So if you have been in active addiction for a long time, your family has emotionally taken on how they deal with you as an active addict. So when you start to get out of that, they're always waiting for that shoe to drop and they'll test you as well. And it's not it's not on purpose. It's not, but it's automatic. They will test you to either make you go back because they're uncomfortable and not on purpose. Please don't think it's on purpose, but they will do that scenario where they try to, you know, um, sabotage you in order to make them feel comfortable again. Yeah. Sucks, but it makes makes a lot of sense. And also I wanted to add is, creating a safe place. And this is speaking of somebody, if you love somebody with addiction, just setting that comfort and that safe place and knowing that you're not going to judge them. Just like you've mentioned, you're not going to shame them, think that they're less than you because nobody is above anybody. We are all like you, I am you, you are me, you know, we are all one in this universe and creating that safe place. And, you know, if somebody starts, say you're at the beginning or you're loving somebody who's at the beginning of an addiction, say you have a teenager or, anybody where they start the addiction in their thirties or their forties, just letting them know that it's okay. And that you're there to talk for them. Cause sometimes you just need to feel that you're not alone or that they're not alone. You need to like, I keep saying safe place. Cause you want to feel that your, your information, you're not judged that you're in a safe place. Like just imagine that safe place that you want and then provide that for others. Yeah. And that's part of the that is that's huge is acknowledging and loving somebody where they're at right and I can't oh I just I had like the perfect thing to add to that now I totally can't remember 
so um ghost loop yeah my alcoholism got to the point where when my sister walked into a room she just goes so what's your poison this weekend as much mm-hmm. as those words kill me if i could with ease not hear those words i would be there already hopefully in time though i will always be grateful that she does not tear me a new one each week through though and difficulty accepted where i am instead so I want to add to that and I want to comment on that is have you actually expressed how much that hurts you? Um, because you need to, you, you know, whether you're in active addiction, whether you're out of it, doesn't matter. You need to be the voice for yourself. Um, from the day we die till the day, for, sorry, from the day we're born till the day we die, we are our own and only constant. There, you know, everybody comes and goes, whether that's your parents, your children, your friends, everybody comes and goes throughout your lifetime. You are the only number one constant that you have. And again, when you're supporting a loved one, especially somebody who's younger or in your, if you're in a position of power is understanding that the choices they're making, they think those are the choices, their best choices for them at that moment. And you need to expect, accept and love that no matter who you are. Um, uh, Well, and that's the problem. So he says, nah, I'm a dude. Expression to me equals just doing what I want and Mm. suffering in silence. Hell no. Uh, That, that (laughs) comment will absolutely and utterly piss me off and not in a, not in a pissed off at you way. That is an injustice that I will fight against for the rest of my life. I am absolutely an advocate for men's mental health and awareness because men have it so horribly wrong with grow up, grow some balls, man up, you know, uh, take it like a man, stop acting like this, you know, emotions are for, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to end that one because that's a little bit too of an aggressive swear, but men are just as entitled to their expression, their emotions, and their self-help and awareness as women, if not more. You need to know that. That is, and, and society sucks and has sucked at that for the last 100 years, if not longer, of saying that men are not capable nor entitled to mental health and, and emotional health. That, that pisses, like that that pisses me off more than so many things. I have two sons. I have a husband. I have three brothers and I have worked with men one-on-one about their own mental health. I had a gentleman in his late, late sixties, late seventies. I can't remember how old he was. This was a few years ago within five minutes, 20 minutes of meeting me. He was telling me about his sexual abuse as a child and how it was affecting him now. I'd never met this man and he had never shared that with anyone. Men are just, if not more, as entitled to health and wellness as women. And I cannot say that enough. Look at Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is a victim of domestic violence. And you know what? If you agree, disagree, I, I, you know, I support you regardless. But I believe that he has been a victim. And as soon as he stood up as a victim, it's, you know, he's a role model now for men who have been victimized. You think of the me too movement. It's now the Johnny Depp movement because you have this amazing man who's had amazing, very high profile women in his life 
And not one of them has ever said anything until Amber heard. Not one of them. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah, always ironic how the people that go man up almost never have the decency or life experience and respect to be able to understand those words. Double standards are normal nowadays, right? And that's, that's again, this show is all about busting those double standards, the stereotypes, the judgment, the ridicule, the rejection. Fuck it. All of it. Fuck it. I don't like any of it, which is why mm-hmm. we're, we, yeah. yeah. Got me swearing on the show now. <laughs> Let's start crying. I'm so, I get so emotional when I get angry like I cry and that's where I'm at right now it's like I want to cry for the injustice that everybody and everybody's everybody experiences injustice none of us are free from it there are more than others I will not deny that but injustice sucks ass and yeah now now you're gonna get me like crying and angry so (laughs) yeah I'm just start like fanning my face here (laughs) No, you have that so right. One of, going back to communication, one of my favorite, like I was saying in college, we had the big like addictions course and then there's a bunch of mini courses we took. One of my all-time favorite ones that I have carried with me in my heart for not just my clients, but my family, myself, is fundamentals of communication. And there are so many different levels of communication, like just talking back and forth. There's a message being broadcasted to my mouth to you, to other people listening. And then they take that and they ingest it and they take it in their perspective. There's so many levels of communication. And that is a huge part of any relationship, whether that be a family, a friend, a romantic relationship, uh, you know, to your child, communication. That is something I will stress to the end as well is they can't, you know, they can read a vibe, but they cannot read your mind. You need to communicate how you feel, how somebody makes you feel, even if you're afraid that they're going to get upset at that, you know what, as selfish as it sounds, that's on them. You need to communicate how you feel, how the thing, how they treat you. If they're doing something wrong, don't hold that in, in fear that they're going to get mad. Speak up so that they know how said thing makes you feel. And communication is so important. That is, it's another huge thing that, you know, people don't see. Like if you have an argument with somebody, you know, you could... Uh, you could either choose A or B and A would be just putting it on a shelf in like a mental shelf or B is, you know, after everybody's calmed down, talk about it, talk about how they made you feel. And if that leads to tears, frustration, shouting, whatever you and the other partner or person, however that looks, it's okay. Because at least you're getting to the bottom of it, talking about it, and then you can let it go and release it instead of just putting it on that mental shelf to build up and build up. And trust me, I was a mental shelf person. I would just, you know, accept everything for what they are and just put it on that shelf. But then that would lead to explosions and in active addiction, you know, you're putting all this pressure on yourself with the addiction coming off drugs. You're going to be an angry little ball of fire. And trust me, I was there and learning to deal with those things and talk about those things to the people who are close to you or not close to you. You need to stand up for yourself and tell them how those things make you feel. And then you know what? You might even be surprised on how they react. Oh, I didn't even realize that I was making you feel that way or that what I did, you know, they could be very forgiving. They could be understanding. And just speaking up even one or two sentences might be the whole world of changes for you and that person. So communication, definitely needed. 
I have programs on communication because it is, it is absolutely, there are three different ways to listen. There's putting your expectations on other people. There, there are so many avenues of communication and they all start with you. They all start with you. Right. And it, everything, and I I can't stress this enough. And like, I'm everything in life comes down to you. Everything starts with you. The way you talk, the way, you know, you can tell somebody, hey, my name's Melissa, right? They can interpret that completely differently. They can be like, no, your name's Michelle. (laughs) No, okay, well, that's not your name. (laughs) You know, I don't know how, it's my middle name, which is funny, but, (laughs) and the amount of people that end up calling me Melissa, uh, Michelle instead of Melissa is quite entertaining. But anyway, um, it is though, it's your, your expression is yourself. It's your identity. It's what you believe about yourself, what, you know, but you can't control other people, but being able to say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling left out or I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling tired or, you know, when you say that it hurts my feelings. It's, you know, if I said, Oh my God, Mick, Hey bitch, how's it going? Right. <laughs> If you did that to me, I'd be like, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. (laughs) Bother me. I'm okay with it. Right. But if you didn't like it and that offended you, I don't know that. I don't know that. So until you say, you know what? I really don't like being called that. I'd be like, oh, I'm like, I mean, I didn't intend to. Right. Mm -hmm. Because intention is key. Intention is so important the intention that you put behind your conversations by your words, by, you know, I can expectations and intentions are killers, absolute killers. And that's, that's one of the parts of communication that people miss. Anyway, we have gone like we're an hour and 20 minutes in, um, absolutely ghost flu. He said, uh, double standards are now normal nowadays. So glad, so glad I found this channel. I'm very glad you found this channel too. And very few real women out there today. Yay. I found some absolutely you. (laughs) Thank you for following the show. Um, share because the more viewers the show has, the more engagement we get and the more people we're able to help. This show is literally called giving you something to talk about. And the reason I named it that is because I wanted to every day, every episode, because we are live Monday to Friday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. I wanted to make sure that we were giving people something that they could talk about that's going to make them happier, healthier, feel more included, feel supported, feel, you know, unashamed about who they are and where they're at, because that is what the world needs. This is the first ever, and I'm going to say that again, this is the first ever, and you can see my excitement, live stream talk show. That is what this show is. And every day we are housing different guest speakers, different topics, for all of our viewers, and I'm, I'm going to slowly taper off this episode, if you want to see a topic featured, LBGTQ, um, you know, addiction, uh, abuse, uh, self-love, self-development, personal development, empowerment, if you want to see a topic featured on the show, please reach out to the show, justalivetv.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on, we are on 12 social media and podcasting platforms. Um, we also have the website. We are creating a community membership on the website, but we do have the Facebook group called giving you something to talk about. Um, 
Again, this episode has been sponsored by Holistics Personal Training, which is Mick's company. They are offering you 25% off her, excuse me, signature program. Go and check that out. Link in the description because Mick's help is invaluable. Um, Mick, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciated this conversation. I'm, this was a great episode. I'm just like, ah, (laughs) I needed this today. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was amazing. It was a really good experience and I'm glad to get some of my story out there. You know, it feels really good. I feel lighter. And again, I'm here if anybody needs me. Absolutely. And if you want Mick to do another episode, we can always do a mini episode because those are coming up soon too. Um, So reach out to either myself or Mick if you want us to talk about something else or something in the same realm. Uh, Mick, if you ever want to share your story, you're more than welcome to join us back again. Um, For everybody watching, please like, follow, and share the show on your social media platforms. You can find us everywhere at justalivetv.com. We need this show to be built up so that the more people we can reach, even if we're helping one person every day, that's the goal, right? That's the goal of the show. So please help us make us go viral. Um, Yeah. All right. We'll definitely come by as often as I can. Thanks for letting me vent a little today. This really was refreshing and meeting your ladies made my day. You are very welcome, Ghost Flu. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, evening, day. I don't know where you're watching from and we're in (laughs) Canada. So yeah, (laughs) we'll leave it at that. All right. Again, thank you, Mick, for joining me today. Thank you, just a family, for watching this episode, for joining us on this, giving you something to talk about journey. We are always trying to share people's stories to inspire, to make you feel connected, unashamed, you know, no ridicule, no judgment. This is this place for self-love, personal development, inclusivity, and just the freedom to be. That's it. The freedom to be. So lots of love. Please like, follow, and share if you'd like to be a guest on the show. Or if you'd like to see a featured topic, please, please reach out to justalivetv.com. You can sign up for our newsletter to know when we go live and what's upcoming because we've got some really cool stuff coming up. Um, Yeah. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day, evening, week, whatever, wherever you are and whenever it is. Lots of love. This is Melissa Kretschler. I am your host, identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, and extraordinaire, the next Oprah Winfrey. Um, like and follow. So lots of love and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.